Amen. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. I'm going to move this water because I will have a wet leg if I don't. It's good to have you this morning. Good to see you in church. And I trust you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, However that looked at your house, whether you were by yourself or you snuck people in, I don't know how that worked at your house, but um, so thankful for our church family. If you didn't um, see What's What this week, What's What was a link to YouTube. Uh, Sherry sent it out. It was actually a video of all the pastors sharing uh, what we're thankful for, so just go back and look for that. I'll ask Sherry to stick that back on the uh, when she sends out the prayer request uh, following today. So if you will uh, take time to take your connection card and fill that out for me. On the back, you can put your prayer requests. Also, there is one announcement. If you have not signed up for Best Year's Fellowship and you want to be a part of the luncheon, it is next Sunday. Uh, we're having barbecue from Parquets, and uh, so Randy needs to know so he can finalize those numbers. It'll be immediately after church, or if you're in Sunday school the second hour in the adult Sunday school class, you'll just stay over there, but you need to sign up today so we have a final number. And uh, if you're watching online, uh, either email us or text Pastor Randy if you know his number, or just call the church, and we'll make sure we get you signed up for that. As you know, each year the church does March to the Manger is our basically um, our Christmas birthday offering to Jesus. And our goal this year is $10,000 to help uh, reseal and stripe the parking lot. So the actual cost is about $12,000, and we have $2,000 already toward that. And so we want to encourage you, there are uh, Christmas offering envelopes in the pews there that you can use. You can take those home and prepare those. You can give your gift anytime during the month. If you're at home still uh, because of coronavirus, you can actually go online on the app and there's a place to mark that. So uh, baskets and blessings, we started that last week for United Christian Ministries. Today's the first day of Advent, those four weeks uh, preceding up to Christmas when we anticipate and start looking forward to Christmas. So we're doing a backwards Advent calendar. Each day you put something in the basket that is something that United Christian Ministries need, a food item or toilet paper or whatever the item would be. And we had about 30 baskets last week, and um, we got about six or more online that people want us to go ahead and buy the stuff. So I did buy more baskets. There are a few out in the foyer. If you did not get yours, uh, you can pick that up. If you're watching online, if you call us, we'll get the list in the basket to you as well. So that's our announcements for today. And um, I do want you to just keep praying. If you don't get the prayer list, I want to encourage you to do that. I know Glenda has a family member that's in the hospital, uh, a baby that needs to stay inside for several, several weeks. The mom I saw was at 11 weeks is going to be in the hospital uh, trying to keep this baby in there. And as uh, you saw in the prayer request, Miss Nan came through her surgery uh, wonderfully and she's going to be staying at AnMed for her rehabilitation, which she was thrilled for that. She reminded me when I went to see her last week that it has been almost a year since she's been in church. It was last December when she started having all these issues, and if you know Miss Nan's heart, uh, there's no other place she'd rather be than here. So let's just keep praying for God's continued help. I'm going to ask you to reach uh, in the pew and grab your notes uh, as we get started this morning on our new series. Uh, there are sign-up sheets for the nativity. Uh, just pray for us today. The, the pastor, pastoral staff and the board is going to meet right after church to make the final decision about nativity. Uh, and um, 
We just need wisdom that will make the right decision what's best for us to do this year. So today as we begin uh, this new teaching series about Christmas carols, each week we're going to talk about a different Christmas carol. It's important to understand that Christmas carols were written to tell us the good news of God's love that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. That's the good news of Christmas, and it's the same good news that the angels announced to the shepherds that day that we read in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you uh, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's what Christmas carols are all about. Christmas carols are about the celebration of the birth of of Jesus. In fact, that's what the uh, word carol actually means. A carol is a song of praise or a song of joy. Now, Christmas carols, like hymns, uh, were written to actually help us understand some really important theological truths about who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Back in the day, not everyone had a Bible, and, um, or it wasn't in their language, so often it was through the songs of the church that uh, people would memorize the words, and they would learn theologically the things that they needed to know, the doctrines they needed to know. So today I want to share with you the truth from God's Word that's inspired from the Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. This Christmas carol uh, may not be as uh, quite as familiar to you as some of the others, but it is an important carol because it helps us to understand why Jesus came and what his coming means to us today. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is actually over a thousand years old, making it one of the oldest known Christmas carols. We don't know who wrote it. They don't know the author of this carol. We do know that in the 1800s, a Catholic priest who was sent to um, Africa, he was kind of exiled from England, and while there, he translated this from Latin into English, and it became a beloved carol. It was originally written in Latin and sung in monasteries during the season of Advent. If you listened closely this morning as we sang, uh, you could hear some of the monastic uh, chant qualities in the rhythm, in the melody. So that kind of brings it back. What's most interesting about this song is that it was actually written about a time in history before Jesus came to the earth. All the other Christmas carols are, O Holy Night, O Silent Night, when Jesus is born. This is the Christmas carol that talks about a time before Jesus actually came. It's written about the people of Israel uh, when they were persecuted. They were under great stress. They were in great trouble, and they were looking forward with hope to the coming of the Messiah. As Pastor Natasha said, that whole Christmas carol takes Old Testament references and shows us how Jesus fulfills them in the New Testament. When it's, when it's saying, O come, O come, come to Israel, it's not just back in the day Israel, but today it's the same as Lord Jesus come to the earth, come to all of us who are captives of sin. Now, this carol, O come, O come, Emmanuel, is significant because of one especially important word in the lyrics. This one word is actually going to describe the whole message this morning, and it's the word Emmanuel. So you might be wondering, what does that mean? So look at the top of your notes there. Emmanuel means God with us. 
The angel is speaking to Joseph in the first chapter of Matthew, verses 21 through 23. It says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. What will Jesus do? Save his people from their sins. Now, this was the announcement that the people had been longing to hear for centuries, and Matthew is making this announcement. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what God's story was all about. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the angel is saying that Jesus' purpose in coming to our world is to save us from our sins. And then he quotes a prophecy from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and you can read it. It's in Isaiah 7.14. That's in your notes. That prophecy took place 700 years before Jesus was born, and Jesus fulfilled it. And by the way, that's just one of over 300 Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled through Jesus. How do we know that Jesus was the Messiah? No one else could have fulfilled all 300 prophecies. Now, if this were a movie, right? At this point, the music would get really dramatic and they would say, are you ready? He is called Emmanuel. And I knew you just wouldn't get it this morning and you'd be half asleep, so I thought we're going to try it this morning. Go ahead, Miss Cheryl. That's not the right one. That's not dramatic. Please stand by. Don't be nervous. Are you finding it? And she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. God with us. Right? That's how it would have been right? Matthew is making the announcement. Now that's what you would hear. It would be better than that, but that's what you would hear because what the angel just said was the most earth-shattering news that they had been waiting for. Because anybody listening or reading this would know that in the Old Testament, God is too holy and you can't even look upon him and live. They would have known that Moses had to hide his face when God passed because Moses couldn't handle the full presence of God. They would have known that when God dwelt in the temple, nobody was allowed in the Holy of Holies where God resided except the high priest and only once a year. And they had to tie a rope to the priest's leg in case he died in the presence of God and they needed to pull out the dead priest. And now Matthew says, he is with us. It was a big deal. What is it that made the shepherds 
run back into the fields rejoicing? What was it that caused the wise men to fall on their faces and bow down in worship? It was this fact and this fact alone that God is not a distant, far-off, uninvolved God, but now God is with us. It was the best news ever. The problem is, many of you, whether you're watching online or you're sitting here this morning, you don't believe it. You just don't. Now, here's the deal. Some of you uh, don't believe in God, so you don't believe he's with you, and, th- and that makes sense, and I get where you're coming from if you're not a, a believer in Jesus, but some of you, you're Christians, and when I tell you God is with you, you're kind of like, really? Because, you know, I don't feel any tingling, and there's no goosebumps. I don't feel him. Some of you are going through a really difficult time or season in your life right now, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but Christmas and the holidays can be great magnifiers. It magnifies the good and makes things really good, and it magnifies the painful times and makes them really painful. Holidays are hard. Some of you just went through your first Thanksgiving facing an empty chair this year. Someone that you wish was going to be there and wasn't. Maybe it was because of death or divorce or separation or distance, or maybe this year it was COVID-19. Whatever the reason, it's really causing you to struggle this season. Maybe you have tension in a relationship, or you got bad news about a health issue. Whatever it is that you're going through, during this tough time, you're wondering where God is in all of this. You don't feel God. You don't see God. Today we're going to discover what it means that God is with us so that all of us, no matter what our situation, can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is with us. Here's the first thing that you need to know in your notes. Because Jesus came into our world at Christmas, God is with me. God is with me. Right now, in this very moment, right here in this room or online, wherever you're uh, sitting this morning, God is with you. Over 2,000 years ago, an angel by the name of Gabriel appeared to Mary, the soon-to-be mother of Jesus. He appeared to her to let her know that God was with her right there in that moment, right where she was. And we read it in Luke 1.28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. God was about to ask Mary to do something very important, but also very difficult. God was about to ask her to bring Jesus into this world, and God knew that it was no easy task. But he also wanted Mary to know that he would be with her. And listen, Mary needed to know that. In fact, everybody in this room, including myself, needs to know that as well this morning. God is with us. God wants you to know that he is with you right here in this very moment. I was trying to think of an illustration that would help bring this home. And I was trying to think about different situations and a crisis that I'd been through. And I thought, you know, it's, to tell you the truth, we do need God's help in a crisis, right? But the problem with life is that it's just so daily, right? 
I've had the privilege in my life to have a couple of close friends um, that I didn't know God was going to bring into my life. Miss Sherry and Miss Vicki. Miss Vicki's probably watching this morning in Ohio, and Sherry lives back in Buffalo. When I was in the church in Buffalo and our kids were young, I was the worship pastor and the youth pastor, and I'd asked the pastor if I could maybe switch in and start children. We had hardly any children's ministry in the church, and he agreed, and within the next few weeks, God brought us two Brady Bunch families. They had five or six kids each. I mean, we were like, bam, 12 children in two weeks. It was amazing. It was at the right time God had moved our hearts, and he was answering. But one of those, Mrs. Brady, her name was Mrs. Fiji, Sherry came to the church. Sherry worked with me with children. She worked 40-plus hours a week with me and never received a paycheck. Her husband was an engineer, and she was a stay-at-home mom, so while the kids were at school, she came to the church. What time are you going to be in in the morning? What time are we leaving? And we worked on everything. We worked on VBS. We worked, if I was doing youth camp, she helped me with youth camp. It was a musical. Sherry was always there. And the thing with Sherry is she really knew me. She knew my heart and my mind. I could look at her and i say, could you go to the storage room and get that thing on the shelf behind the thing? And she said, got it. Right? We, she knew me. And she, I didn't have to tell her everything. But the other, the other part of that is, and, and what I want to get across to you, is she was there every day. She could do anything. She was willing to do anything. Now, she didn't just roll over and, you know, agree with me. She stood up to me and told me when I was wrong and how we need to do things differently. But when we, um, when we were going through stuff, whether it was in our personal life, we were there. We could pray for each other. We could talk things out. When I moved to Ohio, I met a lady, Vicki. Vicki owned a commercial daycare. She had 40 to 50 children in her daycare. And she started attending our church, and she let me know that she had been hurt in her last church. She was kind of served in the board at her church, and she'd been hurt. She said, I'm never going to serve in leadership again, and the other thing I'm going to never do is I'm never going to get close to a pastor again. Well, that didn't work out. We were there 12 years, and uh, I again switched from worship arts and drama and music to children. And uh, Miss Vicky first helped me with drama because she was a, a seamstress, and we sewed costumes and And then we switched over to children's ministry. She was there with me through everything. Again, working 40-plus hours, never received a paycheck. It was unbelievable, the commitment, and to me personally. And I remember the days we would sit in the office, and she would share with me about her granddaughters who were addicted to drugs. And we walked through that and how she was raising her great-grandbabies. I guess what I want to say to you this morning is, God blessed me with some friendships when I needed it most. I could have never done in ministry. Those churches would have never grown the way they did had those ladies not been by my side. Having a friend who is constant like that, having someone who knows you and understands you is the best gift you could ever have. And if you've never had a friend like that, I hope you get a friend like that. But it's the best illustration I can give to you this morning to say that no matter what you're going through, God is with you. He's like that. He shows up every day. He knows your heart. He already knows what you're thinking before you say it. He doesn't judge you. He doesn't kick you in the leg when you're being stupid. He loves you. He is constant. He'll give you the strength that you need so that you can lean on him. He will be the friend that you need. He'll be your strength. He'll be your comforter. He'll be your healer. 
He'll be your guide. He'll be your hope. Christy and I used to sing a song back in the day. And the lyric says, when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. When you can't see God at work, when you don't feel him in your circumstances, you can still trust his heart, knowing that he's working out all things for your good. When you can't see God, I want to encourage you this morning, you need to look to his word. You need to remember who he is, his character, his promises, and you can trust his heart even when you can't see his hand at work in your life. And listen, the peace of God is not the absence of adversity. Peace doesn't mean that we only sail on calm seas. We all would like that, but that's not reality. True peace is being fully aware of God's presence in the midst of the storm. He is with us. God is with you. And we can know that for sure because God's love is perfect. God's love is consistent. It's unfailing. It's not like other people. He won't disappoint you. He won't change his mind. He won't. We love imperfectly. We love conditionally, but not God. He loves perfectly and unconditionally. Emmanuel doesn't mean God is with us sometimes. It means God is with us, with us all the time. He is unfailing, unwavering. He does not change. Hebrews 13:8 8, 8 puts it so well. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now in your notes, Emmanuel does not just mean God is with me, but it also means, number two, God was with me. Now that sounds counterproductive or like we're going backwards, but it's not. I've learned that sometimes it's a lot easier to see God at work in my life when I look in the rearview mirror. Can you relate? When you look back over your life, sometimes we can look back and see God's active hand a lot easier than we can see it in our current condition. It's so hard when we're going through the storm. Joseph was a perfect example of this. Not Mary's husband, Joseph, but the Old Testament, Joseph. When Joseph was a little boy, he had some big, crazy dreams that God gave him. The problem was, if you remember, his brothers hated him. They were jealous of him. They even contemplated killing him, but instead they decided to be gracious and sold him into slavery. Nice brothers. He spent years in and out of slavery and in prison, and he was constantly being falsely accused and punished. Now, maybe you're thinking, where was God in all that? I'm glad you asked. Genesis gives us the answer. Genesis 39, 21. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor. God was with Joseph even through the storms, through the trials, even when he couldn't understand God led Joseph into a position where he was the second in command over all Egypt and was able to save countless numbers of people from famine. God was with Joseph. But that's not the only example we see in Scripture. If you look in your notes there, I gave you several other examples that you can look up this week. God was with Paul and with Peter when they were in prison. God was with Noah when everyone thought he was crazy for building a gigantic boat. God was with David 
through all his poor decisions and through all of his mistakes, God was with Jesus when he was beaten and ultimately crucified for our sins. And God was with you through each and every one of your tough, difficult seasons. Just look in the rearview mirror and remember. Even in times when we've turned our back on God and we've relied on ourselves, even when we forgot to acknowledge Him at all, He was still with us. But again, sometimes it's only in the rearview mirror that we can see God was with us working in our situation. There are so many times I can look back at my life and see how God was with me. I remember uh, my senior year uh, at graduation Sunday in our church, I started going to church when I was 13. I, don't have a, I didn't have a Christian background. Uh, my family didn't go to church. I got saved at a youth convention. I remember my youth sponsor, who was an older fella, stood up that morning and he said, man, I never thought you'd make it. I'm like, well, thank you. He was thrilled, but he said, I never thought you would make it. You didn't have a Christian home. You had no one every Sunday waking you up to come. Before I could drive as a teenager, I just walked to church. I woke up in the morning, and I think we call it conviction. God told me to go to church because that's the place I needed to be. I didn't grow up knowing that I should be in church. God uh, used Jess in my life, that fella, he paid my way to a youth convention. He'd come pick me up and take me to softball games so I could play in the church softball league. He took me to family camp in northern Then I met all these Christian kids all over my district. I traveled with a district church choir. And uh, it changed my life. And that's why I believe in the church and why the church needs to love the people that come here. But listen, I can look back at my life and Jess didn't think I was going to make it. But when I look over my life in the rearview mirror, it looks like a chessboard. And I can see where God has gone like this. Where I wanted to go somewhere else, but he made me wait. And then he moved me over here. Things that he avoided in my life. And then sometimes it was a really tough time. But God's hand was always on my life. Think back to a time in your life when you faced difficulty. Some of you shared with me you've been gone through cancer, you've gone through different situations, loss of loved ones. No matter what your situation was, God was with you and you made it through. No matter how hard things got, God was with you. And if you turned your back on God, he was still with you. And even if you felt alone, God was with you every step of the way. God was always with you. So God is always with me. God was always with me. And the last blank on your notes Emmanuel means God will always be with me. Always be with me. God didn't just set this world in motion and say, hey, good luck. Hope this works out for you. No, God says, I'm going to be with you. I've always been with you. I am with you right now, and I will always be with you. This is the hope we have. God is with us, and God will always be with us. Think about Mary for a moment. If Mary could have somehow seen into the future as the angel was speaking to her, and if she could have seen all the ways that God was going to be with her, she would have said something like this, God will be with me when I tell Joseph that I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. God will be with me when I give birth 
to this child in a stable. God will be with me when I watch my son's ministry and his miracles. God will be with me when I watch my son being unfairly treated and unfairly tried and beaten and condemned to death. God will be with me as I watch my son dying on the cross. God will be with me on those nights after Jesus' death on the cross as I wait and as I wonder. God will be with me on that third day when the stone is rolled away and a new life and overcomes the power of sin and death through the resurrection. Mary didn't know the future. But she trusted God and she trusted that God is, that God was, and always will be with her. Listen, the same is true for you. If we could see into the future, we would see how God will be with us in the same way. God will be with you as you have to transition into a new job. God will be with you as you have to step into this next stage, maybe of retirement. God will be with you as you celebrate the birth of, the, the ch- of a child. God will be with you as you go through the pain of a miscarriage. God will be with you through the thrill of new marriage or maybe a new opportunity. God will be with you as you go through the pain of loss or as you wait for lab results. God will be with you in every situation. The truth is, you and I, just like Mary, we cannot see the future. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't even know what the next moment holds. But we can trust God who does. And we can know that no matter what we go through, God will always be with us. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Jesus came into our world at Christmas, not just to be born and to live, but he came into our world to die. He was born in Bethlehem to die on the cross and be raised to new life in Jerusalem. He came that our sins could be forgiven so that we can have a relationship with our loving Heavenly Father and nothing essence away from your life. Not death, not brokenness, not sickness, not divorce, not financial troubles, not family troubles. Nothing can change the truth that God loves you. Nothing can change the truth that God is with you, that He was with you, and that He will always be with you. Matthew 28.20 says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want us to circle back before we close this morning to our carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, this was like a monastic carol, and these phrases, um, I'm going to have Carol put it up there so you can see. Each of the phrases was written in Latin, and you can see, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and then you, um, we sing a verse about dayspring, there's a verse about the key of David, the, the uh, stem or root of Jesse, wisdom. We, we sing those different verses. They were all translated. There were seven originally, and um, they were chanted. Sometimes in the monastic way, they would read a psalm, and then they would chant, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And then verses were written to this carol. So what's interesting is um, I 
often had theology, but there was something else going on with this Christmas carol. They would typically sing this on Christmas Eve and remind themselves these seven uh, different verses how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament until that dramatic music, God is with us, right? So if you would go to the next slide, if you look, skip the first word, O, and you go to the first letter, it looks like they're trying to sarcor, well, I don't know what sarcor means, and it's not Latin word for anything either, but if you flip it the other way and read it, um, that's sarcor, go to the next one, but if you go up, arrow, cross, actually that is two Latin words, go to the next slide. And this is what, it's kind of a, the writer of this carol put it in there. I don't know, it's not a trick, but it's, he wanted to remind the people of something. If you looked close enough, arrow cross means this. Go ahead, Cheryl. I will be here tomorrow. I'm with you today. I was with you. I will always be here tomorrow. God's presence is with us. Today, we lit the candle of hope. Matthew said to us, she will give birth to a son and he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the hope of the world. He came to us, God with us, to save us from our sin and to live with us forever. You know, when the world talks about hope, it's based on what I wish to happen. My desires, like I'm crossing my fingers, hoping that these circumstances, I'm hoping it'll go my way. And I found myself doing that in the last few weeks with COVID and this election. I really wish things would go my way. But listen, real hope is not based on what I want or what I desire in a certain outcome. It's the rock-bottom trust and expectation that God is with us that God was with us, and he will always be with us. He will see us through no matter what the circumstances are. Our hope is not in some circumstances changing. It is in God himself who takes us through anything. Hope is based on having confidence in what God says and his promises and finding strength in his faithfulness, not just wishing our circumstances would change. Is your hope in the God who says, I am with you this morning. Today as we pray, would you pray, O come, O come Emmanuel, God, be with me. Help me as I trust you. He is our hope. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, it is amazing that this story of Christmas is a, is a fulfillment of all the Old Testament. All that had been uh, foretold about the coming of the Messiah. Now we know that the plan and, the, and all of that is not done until the cross and the resurrection. But you coming to earth is a big deal. The unapproachable God that people would fall dead in your presence came, he stripped himself of all of his glory and all of that to come to earth to love us and be with us and to let us know that he was going to take care of our sin problem and that there was nothing in this life we couldn't go through because he would always be with us. Jesus, this morning, you are the hope.
world. And I started this sermon this morning talking about some of us don't believe it. Well, God, our hearts are fickle. And we get tired and we get weary. We need Emmanuel to refresh our hearts today. And remind us that Jesus is here. Jesus is the living King of Kings and he lives in our life. He is with us even if we don't see his hand this morning. We'll trust your heart, Lord. Make this Christmas season special in the midst of a pandemic that has been crummy. Thank you that you're the King of Kings and we worship and follow you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Go with God today and... Uh, Merry Christmas. Tis the season.